Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. So we pressed on. We've wa- we we you wanted to watch. Did you want to watch this, or did I press you in? Did I can't remember now. Uh, I think you suggested it because I seemed so excited, and I wanted to. Although in between watching the last episode of the arc and the first episode of this, I feel like I sort of crashed a little bit. I had had a bunch of caffeine and that wore off and I had had one alcoholic beverage and that also wore off. So I got sober and sleepy. So we are back to sleepy Doctor Who. That's as tradition dictates. <laughs> so we watched episode one of the, of the Celestial Toy Maker, aka the Celestial Toy Room. Ooh. What was that? What I was trying to remember at the end that I couldn't I, I do remember, but I wanted to be sure to check my facts when I check my facts. And this right now, um, these episodes one through two and three will be the last non-telesnap reconstruction until the Space Pirates, which is the second last story of the 1960s. And indeed, the last missing um uh, story that we'll uh, we'll watch. So from here on in, after we watch these two, next two episodes of Celestial Toy Maker, there will be actual proper telesnap images to help us along. The image that you see here, um, I think they did a huge. I can't remember if it was Radio Times, but they did a massive photo shoot for this story in color. A lot of there's a lot of it's a lot of like the reference material that you see of like William Hartnell and stuff. A lot of it comes from this photo shoot you know, the various poses that he's doing and stuff. So so that's why it's still visually represented well, despite the fact that there's no telesnaps. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I don't, I haven't seen enough with telesnaps to know the difference between what looks like a telesnap and what's a different kind of reconstruction. Mm-hmm. So I've just sort of been watching along and being like, okay, looks good. Yeah, and I felt like there was a lot for this. So I didn't have any trouble recognizing who anyone was and I was able to sort of orient myself in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was good. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of this thing after being very excited to watch episode one? Well, before we get into that, I would like to get the uh, racist elephant in the room out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I always forget, or at least I did once, when I hear celestial toy maker, I think celestial meaning like the primary meaning of the word celestial, meaning having to do with the stars or the heavens or anything. And... To me, that makes perfect sense because this is Doctor Who and the TARDIS travels in time and space. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of always assumed that Celestial in this case meant he was, you know, he lived in the stars. He was a he was a spaceman. Um, But yes, there's also another meaning of Celestial, meaning to do with uh, China or the East uh, and yeah, now I recognize. And I feel like you have told me that before, and I probably just blocked it out of my mind because it's an uncomfortable thing I don't want to think about. In the script that I was reading along with uh, the transcript, it described the Celestial Toymaker as a Mandarin. So, and, and you know, you can see in the pictures that he's definitely uh, appropriating some Eastern culture there. It's, it's hard to tell if he's made up a lot, but certainly the uh, the outfit is... The outfit is, I don't think the makeup is, if you're going to have a look at the the pictures, and he doesn't really have a lot of, like, the mannerisms, or at least they're not as pronounced as, like, John Bennett and Talents of Wang Chiang, for instance, you know? Or Kevin Stoney in 
in um, the it Daleks' master, master plan. plan. That's much worse. Well, the the ma- he has the makeup there, but even then, Kevin Stoney isn't really speaking like he's pretending to be Chinese. Mm-hmm. This it's Michael Guff dressed up mm-hmm. as a Chinese person, um, but not really doing a voice or made up like it. So it's very. I don't know why. Perhaps this is because the, you know, at the time was like, you know, the Far East was all very strange and mystical. And so they would strange. I, I don't I don't know the connection to that. I don't know. Maybe known for playing, you know, different and exotic games or something at the time. Or maybe the BBC just had a really freaking cool Mandarin costume and they decided <laughs> they wanted Michael Guff to wear it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that is that is not cool, but it is. It doesn't go as far, as you said, as, as some of the other ones. So uh, my sort of hand wavy head cannon is, is just that Celestial does mean having to do with the stars. And that is all. He just happens to like some really, you know, fabulous robes there. That's, that's it. Um, but yeah, as far as the story goes, I have quite enjoyed it so far. Uh-huh. Um, it is a little stupid for the doctor to just wander out when they can't see anything in the scanner. But the doctor has been and will be a very curious fellow. He always wants to know what's going on. I think it's it's pretty well in character, especially if he has been made incorporeal. I mean, that could also have some effect on him mm-hmm. as well to weaken his his defenses in some way. And and yeah, I love love the idea of having to play games to get away that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. This I think you talked about uh the Star Trekiness of it of the arc last episode with like i think it was the refusions or something like that i think that's what it was. Mm-hmm. this very much feels like you know an omnipotent omnipotent space being mm-hmm. traps the crew of the enterprise and they sort of have to play games to sort of get out this feels very much like a star trek episode yeah he is kind of q actually when you think about it even when you think about some of q's costuming it is a little bit similar to the celestial toy maker mm-hmm. wow yeah I just I I am, have always been kind of a sucker for for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite things about uh, Pyramids of Mars, for example, is all of the um, the, the you know g- game slash puzzles that they have to solve in order to get into Sutek's tomb. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So anything that's kind of like that is very much up my alley. And oh my god, creepy clowns! Bad Doctor Who. <laughs> bad. <laughs> I know at the time clowns were not seen as widely as they are now as creepy. So it may have been a little bit more um i don't know edgy to turn clowns into something that's that's scary no i'm i'm, I'm serious yeah, I know. here I know. I'm, I'm i'm laughing at the fact that there was a time when clowns weren't considered creepy the time of innocence known as 1966 where everyone just said oh good a cloud everyone loves clowns oh but these clowns are creepy <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh the old movie club episode we did of The Incomparable where we watched uh, The Greatest Show on Earth, the three-hour circus movie. Oh, my God. The three-hour best picture Oscar-winning movie. It beat High Noon and Singing in the Rain. Yeah, this was uh, ridiculous. But anyway, so Jimmy Stewart was in that playing a clown. And there's an awful lot of clowns in this movie because it's a circus. And, and clowns at that time were very clearly the darlings of the circus and everybody loved them. And you know, the introduction to Jimmy Stewart is Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart as Buttons. A clown, which has become just just a weird joke with the incomparable, and he spoilers for a movie from 1952, was it? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, he turns out to have been a murderer in his pre-clown past. Yes. So I think... Jimmy Stewart is a murderer? That's just... No, I just don't believe it. I'm just yelling from afar, believe me. I didn't want to take the mic on that one. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess technically... Um, was that a Selznick picture? David O. Selznick? I can't remember who... I don't know the names of the 1950s movie moguls. Or maybe, I don't remember who it was. Anyway, uh, whoever that was, technically, I guess, did the edgy, creepy clown thing first. Although Buttons was not supposed to be creepy. We just think that he's super creepy now. Mm-hmm. He just had a backstory that was creepy. He didn't sort of like be, I never saw the movie. I'm just guessing. What Jimmy Stewart can't be creepy. Come on. He's Jimmy Stewart. Anyway, sorry for that that detour. Just I, but we're on the incomparable network. I figured it was appropriate. Yeah. Probably there are people out there going, "Oh my God, buttons a clown!" Ugh. So yeah, the inclusion of clowns here, mm-hmm. very creepy. Watching it from from this point of view, uh, I love the idea that the doctor gets a really tricky logic puzzle, and Stephen has to be blindfolded and and. You know, there's actual logic to both of the puzzles. Like, the logic puzzle the doctor has to do is a legit puzzle as far as I can tell. I mean, I'm not strong. I don't know. I think it is. Tri-logic game is an actual thing, is it? Yeah. I think so. Um, And then I I actually liked that there was also internal logic with the puzzle game that Steven had to do. Because, you know, you actually had Dodo doing the buzzing thing to, to direct him. And, yes, we had the other creepy clown screwing them up and stuff and, and they were totally cheating but it's still it's still an actual game and then we get that cool riddle at the end there which you spent a few minutes trying to figure out before we started recording did you come up with an answer no i was hoping that it was you know like i, I love that part in the hobbit where Gollum and bilbo go back and forth with, with riddles um, so that kind of riddle is cool and actually in the dark tower there's a whole thing about riddles kind of weaved in and out uh very very big in in one of the books with a, a particular deadly train and i really like that i'm not always the greatest at figuring out riddles like that but i i do okay mm-hmm. i'm not so bad so i spent some good time looking at this one and trying to work it through and i didn't come up with anything so i'm kind of hoping that it is related to something within the story that isn't necessarily a regular everyday real world thing so i mean i had some ideas it said something about no lack of arms so i'm wondering if it's if it's got a lot of weapons whatever it is and four legs but no feet i don't know maybe it's four legs but it has wheels i I couldn't figure out the no burden on its back part and then i was definitely confused by the seven or six deadly sisters seven for choice I didn't know if it's... That made me think of like a spider because in total that would be eight legs, but we've already established that there's four legs, so I'm a little confused by that. Uh, the deadly part f- certainly fits in with the weapons, so maybe it's actually got, you know, eight eight weapons or seven weapons total. I'm not sure. Ooh, maybe it's six weapons, and then there's like a control handle, which is the seventh for choice, and that's how you choose which weapon it uses or something. Um, so it's some sort of mechanical... Uh, moving weapon system and then 
what was the last part? Uh, summon the servants with no voice. So maybe it's got like radio control. I don't know. I'm very excited to watch the next episode whenever we do that because I want to see what it turns out to be. And maybe it's something that's really obvious and everyday and I just completely missed it. That is also possible. So dear listeners who have seen this and know what it is, go ahead and laugh at me if that's the case. I've seen this before. I have no memory of it. So you're, you're, you're telling, I have, I, I just thought, oh, maybe that, as you're telling it to me now, I'm not going to let on what it is. Good. Um, but I guess we'll just have to watch episode two. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's impressive work that you tried to think up this stuff. Yeah. Like I said, I, I like riddles. I like puzzling through things mm-hmm. like that. Obviously, I'm not the greatest at it, but. Mm-hmm. Did you notice um, how much screen time Steven and Dodo had in this episode as compared to the doctor who was not in it a whole lot and for a while it's just his hand mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah uh william hartnell takes a two-week holiday after this yep which is all sort of pre-filmed or he's just you know um or he's not there which has been you know in the case of that was what happens with him when he goes on holidays it's me slapping my leg there um <laughs> This, uh, I mentioned three different writers. It was initially written by a guy called Brian Hales, who would later be famous for creating the Ice Warriors. He came up with the story, basically. Um, but then he had to, they needed rewrites from him. So, but he was too busy working on another show. So Donald Tosh, the script editor, the outgoing script editor, was called in. And he came up with this idea of putting, like, the two characters from a play called George and Margaret. Do you know of this play at all? It's from the 1930s. Apparently, they're they're famous in England, and, and BBC was doing like a show, like a head of serials or something, or head of drama. They were doing a version of this play soon, uh, and so that script was agreed upon. And then the head of drama says, "No, no, we can't have those two in there." Blah blah blah. So they had to do a whole bunch of changes. My, meanwhile, the the actors who were going to play George and Margaret were already cast. So they had to like rework them. So the two clowns are those two actors, um, which is interesting. But what's most interesting about this serial is that this is, of course, at the height of John Wiles, the producer, and Donald Toss, the script editor, not at all getting along with William Hartnell. And you notice how he becomes invisible towards the end of episode one. Their initial plan was to have him become invisible, then basically disappear. And then when he reappears, he is someone new. This would have shaken Doctor Who to its very foundation if they were allowed to do, to go through it, which they were not. Wow. So this would have been like the first sort of regeneration, only it would have been foisted upon him by an enemy instead of something that was natural for his people. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Thank goodness they weren't allowed to do that. Um, because, yeah, the show probably wouldn't have continued in this way unless they just decided to have enemies keep giving him new bodies from time to time. Uh, The Celestial Toymaker shows up every uh, every so often when they need to change actors. But at the same time, thank goodness for this and that idea because you got to assume that that's where the seed was planted to change the character and they just ended up finally getting to do it in a different way later, huh? Interesting, isn't it? Mm. Ooh, this is an important, important story in the history of Doctor Who. Very important indeed, as we'll find out, unless you have anything more to talk about regarding episode one. I feel like I made it, might have had other things to say, but I'm very tired, so I've forgotten them. That's fine. We'll, uh, we'll watch number two, The Hall of Dolls. I do not like the sound of where this is going. <laughs> Clowns are creepy. 
I feel like dolls are even creepier, so you might have to hold my hand. What else do you find creepy when it comes to like, you know, childhood things that are supposedly enjoyable? Puppets. Episode three is dances with puppets. It's not really, is it? It's not at all. Okay. Yeah, I, puppets freak me the heck right out. Not a fan. Except Muppets. That's different for some reason. Probably because I grew up with them and they are my friends. I don't know if they're really your friends. Well, if you listen to the uh, the Muppets episode of The Incomparable, you will hear a story about how Muppets are not actually my friends. It's very sad. As a matter of fact, uh, as a matter of fact, one listener claimed that they were out uh, walking their dog while they were listening, and when I told my sad story about the Muppets, they actually started to cry. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell it here. If you if you are interested, go and listen to the Muppets episode of The Incomparable. I have no idea what number it is, and I'm too lazy to look it up. That's what Google's for. That's right. That's what Lazy Doctor Who is for too. Just telling you where to go find things and not doing it ourselves. Here, here. All right. Well, until next time. Sorry to end on such a downer, but I'm sleepy. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye.